We're going to be looking at a psalm tonight, uh, Psalm 96. Some have called Psalm 96 a psalm of thanksgiving. Matthew Henry calls it a psalm of praise and judgment. Uh, Spurgeon calls it a missionary hymn. I think all those are applicable. So this psalm was written by David when he brought the Ark of the Covenant uh, from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David. So, how many of you have found Psalm 96? Many of you? Okay. Well, we're not staying there, so hang on. (laughs) So before we look at Psalm 96, I really feel, and I'm going to ask you really to take a journey with me a journey that will take us back several years into Israel's history. So if you'll turn with me first to 1 Samuel chapter 6. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to read a few verses there in this chapter to help us understand David's motivation in writing this hymn, uh, this psalm. Hymn. Psalm. Okay, First uh, Samuel chapter 6. Um, so we realize here as we read that the Philistines have captured the Ark of God. Okay, you know the ups and downs of Israel's history, right? Israel had been defeated by the Philistines and they captured the Ark of God. And as the Philistines had it, as the scripture says, the hand of God was heavy upon the Philistines. They moved it from city to city inside of their territories because God kept his hand severely upon them, right? With disease, with plague, with all sorts of unpleasant things that you remember reading in the scriptures. And so now they've come to a point where they're willing desperately willing to get rid of it out of their country, okay? So this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 6. We'll read verses 1 and 2. And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to, its, to his place. So as we, if you were to continue reading through verses 3 through 6, they, the, the diviners, the Philistine priests explain, well, you should not send it back empty-handed. Send it back with, with a gift, with gold offerings, and they say what that should be. Um, let's read now, jump down to verse 6, okay? Wherefore, then, do ye harden your hearts? Interestingly, this is the Philistines. As the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he had wrought wonderful works among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? Verse 7. Now therefore make a new cart and take two milk kine on which there hath come no yoke and tie the kind to the cart and bring the calf home from them and take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put the jewels of gold and ye return him for a trespass offering and in a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go. So the ark of God was pulled by two milk cows. Okay, 
You know the story. They shut the calves away and see, okay, if it'll go all by itself and leave its calves behind, that we know that this is the right thing. And sure enough, it did. The cows uh, led and it walked all the way until it reached Beth Shemesh in Israel. And the people of Beth Shemesh, they were out in the field and they saw the ark coming and they were glad. Of course they were glad. The ark of God had come back to Israel. And they took the cart and they took the cows and they took the gold, set it on a large rock, the scripture says, and they offered it as a sacrifice, a great sacrifice unto God. And you think, the glory is back in Israel. But unfortunately... There's verse 19, and we go from a hilltop to a valley pretty quickly here. The, Beth, the men of Beth Shemesh look inside the ark. And you remember, that was strictly prohibited uh, by the word of God. So let's read verses 19 through 21. And he smote, this is God, and he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord, even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before a holy Lord God? And to whom shall he, shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. So now, the ark of God moves from the Philistines to Beth Shemesh, and now to Kirjath-Jerim, the house of Abinadab. And in chapter 7, verse 2, uh, the Lord tells us that the ark is there for 20 years. And it came, verse 2, and it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This is the time of Samuel. You can keep reading there. Now, we're going to fast forward, okay? If you have followed me over now in our journey to First Chronicles chapter 13. So in 1 Samuel, we see the first time the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. It was sent back on a new cart by the Philistines with two milk cows leading it back into the hands of Israel. Israel disobeyed the Lord. And he smote them. It stayed in Israel, but now instead of staying in Beth Shemesh, it's in Kirjath Jerim. Okay? So now we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 and then pick up in verse 7 again. So uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said... Unto all congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you, and that it be of your Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere, that 
are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which bear, which are in their cities and their suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. Verse 3. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregations said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. And David gathered all Israel together from Sihor, Shihor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemeth, and to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. We're going to pick up in verse 7. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah, and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all the house of Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psaltery and with timbrel and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before the Lord. And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore that place is called Perez-Uzzah unto this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it outside the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained there with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Verse 12 tells us that after God had smote Uzzah for his error, that David was afraid of God that day. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14, deals with how David built himself a house. He went to war against Philistines a couple of times, won a few battles by the grace of God. Chapter 15, uh, verses 1 and 2 David had learned to follow the instructions of God. It is important that we were how we worship a holy God. David assembled the priests and the Levites uh, in verses four through eleven. Let me let me read verses one and two, please. First Chronicles fifteen, verse one. And David made himself houses in the city of David, and prepared a place for the ark, and pitched it for a tent. And David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God, and to minister unto him forever. David evidently had either done this, the research and the, the back history himself, where he had sent the Levites and the priests to remind them what were the commandments of the Lord in moving the Ark of, of the Covenant. The first time they moved it sounded an awful lot like how the Philistines moved it, didn't it? A new cart, 
couple of cows pulling it. So here, as we continue reading 1 Chronicles 15, we see that David continues to prepare. They haven't moved the cart. They haven't tried to move it again a second time yet. Okay, uh, It still sits in Kirjith-Jerim. So in verses uh, 4 through 11, David assembles the priests, and he assembles the, Le the Levites, and he orders them to sanctify themselves. As we read in verse 2, he says, None ought to carry it but... Uh, to, but uh, but the Levites, okay? Verses 12 through 15, please. 12 through 15. And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of your, unto the Levites and the priests, ye are of chief of your father's house of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I had prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Verse 13 reminds us, for because ye did it not, for because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach against us, reminding us that we need to follow the Lord's commandments. We need to do it right, gentlemen. So it seems that David is much more serious. He's much more careful in his preparations about moving the ark of God and transporting it um, than he was the first time. David was very careful to follow all the instructions that God had given. In verses 16 through 24, David appoints Levites to be singers and instrumentalists. We see, frankly, many of the same instruments that were listed the first time in chapter 13 when he tried to move the Ark of the Covenant. We see cymbals. We see singers who are to sing with great joy. We see the psaltery, the harp. Um, we see trumpets. Uh, let's read chapter 15, verses 20, beginning in verse 25, please. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites bear that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, uh, that they offered seven bullock and seven ram. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the ark, and the singers, and Chenaniah, the master of the song, with the singers. And David also had put upon him an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, and with sound of coronet, and with trumpet, and with cymbals, and with making a noise with psaltery and harp. So David and all of Israel 
perform this task obeying <clears throat> excuse me obeying the commandment of the Lord in how to move uh, the ark of the covenant and they set the ark of God uh, in a tent that David had prepared for it and they offered sacrifice before the Lord we see that in verse chapter 16 verse 1 so they brought the ark of God they set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it and they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. Continue reading how David really provided a feast for them. Everybody had something to eat. Everybody had something to drink. Now, if you look down in verse 7, chapter 16, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Esaph and to his brethren. And now we see that verses 8 through 36 is recorded the Psalm of David, and more specifically, verses 23 through 33 are recorded for us in, yes, Psalm 96. So now, with that historical journey and backstory if you'll turn over with me please to psalm 96 now i'm going to ask us if we could read the psalm responsively all right i'll ask you to sing to to sing you could i suppose <laughs> uh, if you would read uh, the odd verses, and I'll read the even verses. So if you all would begin on verse 1 and then read uh, the odd verses, and I'll read the even verses. Let's begin. Some, uh, I wanted to mention this too. Uh, let's see. Where, okay, so I'm going to be reading from the King James Bible. If you, don't, if you don't happen to have that version and would like to follow along, uh, it's in the Pew Bible. You probably know where to find it but it's page 542, all right? So if you like to follow along in the King James Bible, if you have a diff different version as we begin, Psalm 96, verse 1, you're reading the odd verses. Oh, sing... Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear him, all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall establish that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the sea roar and the 
Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. I don't know about you, but it helps me to know that backstory of David, of the people of Israel, of the Ark of God, and understanding that this was written with all of that in David's mind. Okay, So we must look at Psalm 96 through the eyes of David, a man after God's own heart, and through all the events that preceded this moment of bringing the ark of God to its place in the city of David. Now, even as I was reading just now with you, even even new thoughts came up connecting the two together, and perhaps you had some thoughts uh, as well of connecting the, the story of the moving of the ark in the motivation of maybe what David was thinking as he wrote this praise psalm to the Lord. I kind of head right to verse 10 of Psalm 96. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall be not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. You think, okay. The first time when they first got it back from the Philistines in Beth Shemesh, the people were glad they offered sacrifice to the Lord. Then they were curious and they looked inside. And God smote 50,070 of them. And David says, he shall judge the people righteously. Yes. Then he says, okay, it's time to move it from, and then they send it to Kirjath-Jerim, right? And David comes and says, okay, it's time to move it from Kirjath-Jerim. Let's bring it in to the city of David. And they move it just like the Philistines did. And and they went through the field. The oxen stumbled as a trying to steady it, put out his hand, he touched it. God smote him for his error. And David says, he's come to the conclusion, he shall judge the people righteously. Righteously, the people of Beth Shemesh had witnessed 50,070 men killed by God because they looked into the ark of God. Righteously, Uzzah was killed for touching the ark. Let's go back to verse 9, Psalm 96, verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Our God is holy. We like to think of God as loving and kind and good, and he is. But we cannot forget that God is holy and God is just. And he will be the judge of all the earth. This is David's response. Can we say as maybe as we would say it of all of this, this 
this line of horrible trials, of hard times that David, yes, he made mistakes, his people made mistakes, and there was punishment. And these were hard times of series of these. How did David respond in the end? Being a man after God's own heart, he said, what does God want? I'm not doing something right. And then his response from all of these trials, all of these hard times, is Psalm 96, where he just praises every aspect of our God. Being strength, and being power, and being glory, being righteous, being holy, being the judge, a righteous judge of all the earth. give you the application before we even go through the psalm, okay? As we continue to go through this, what is your opinion of God after a hard trial? Or what is your opinion of God as you are going through a difficult trial? Many of us have been through very difficult, tremendously hard things in our life and we've only been here a few years and I don't know all of you as well as I would like to but I know enough as I look around to know that you have been through very difficult things in your lives and maybe in the middle of something right now Are you going to respond like David responded, who looked to his God and said, you are holy, you are righteous, you are righteous. You will be the judge as you will because you are right. What is your opinion of God? I'm going to just divide the psalm into two main points. And to your, um, my introduction was longer than the outline, okay? So just two main points here tonight. Number one, verses one through nine, praise the Lord, the Almighty. We've already read it. Verses one and two, praise the Lord. Praise Praise the Lord with a new song. You know, we could argue as many in in my field of interest do about what does new mean? Is it chronological? Does it just mean fresh? Um, More suggests that. Spurgeon suggested a new song is uh, not the song sung to an idol or a false god of the surrounding countries, but the song is holy and pure, heavenly and pleasant. We take a small rabbit trail. Does that describe the music that you listen to in your car? Does that describe the music that you listen to at home? Does that describe the music that you enjoy? Holy, pure, heavenly, pleasant. The scripture goes on to say that all the people... All the people should praise him, regardless of nationality, regardless of 
jealousies and nationalisms are all forgotten. Jews and Gentile, all alike, all people, even as the trio saying, everyone shall bow their knee to the Lord God. They will bless his name. You know, we read here in Psalm 96, verse 1, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord and bless his name. Three times. Many commentators have made comments that that's no mistake. That's not, that's not uh, by accident. Three times we sing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to praise the Lord, um, to praise the Lord. Is Gary, where's Gary? All the way in the back. I didn't warn you about this. Could you jump up here for us? He's got long legs. He'll do it quickly. Could you turn in your hymnals to 572? I don't think I have it back there either. Sorry, guys, for the screen. 572, glory be to the Father, 572. Let's just sing a short song. Um, glory be to the Father and to the Son, to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. 572, can remain seated. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. Second part of verse 2 goes on. Thank you, Gary. Show forth. Don't go too far. <laughs> Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people. Show forth to others. Uh, one of the commentators, I think it was Spurgeon, right? Who called the psalm what? A missionary hymn. Show forth the wonders of the Lord to others. Show forth, tell others of his salvation. The heathen of God's glory. David wanted to show others the glory of God. Show them his greatness, verses 4 through 6. His, he is great and therefore should be praised. He should be feared. Remember when we read in, in uh, First Chronicles that David was afraid of the Lord that day. David had done wrong, and there was punishment. He was afraid of the righteousness and the holiness of God and the judgment of God. He is a true God. Verse 5, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Perhaps he was thinking about how hard it had been for the Philistines when the Ark of God was sitting there. Being quickly moved over those, uh, I think the scriptures said seven months it was in the land of the Philistines. They kept moving it from cities, get it out of here, get it somewhere else. 
We're in too much pain. The hand of God is too heavy for us. Move it. Get it out. Because their idols were no match for the Lord God of heaven and earth. It seems that perhaps when Israel and David moved the ark for the first time, they were fashioning it on how they had moved, how the Philistines had moved it. They had a new cart. They had pulled by cows. And in verse 5, David may be remembering that the God of heaven is not like other gods of this world. He's holy. He's just. And he is above all other gods. Verse 6, he is honor and majesty, strength and honor. Spurgeon says this, he says, in the presence of Jehovah, real glory and sovereignty abide as constant attendance. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. In him are combined all that is mighty and lovely, powerful and resplendent. Verses 7 through 9, he's worthy of our gifts. The Bible tells us, David tells us, give adoration. Give adoration. Tells us in verse 7, to give glory and strength. He tells us uh, in verse 8, to give him glory that is due his name. Tells us in verse 9, to worship the Lord with holiness. With the beauty of holiness. And then to worship with fear before him all the earth. With respect and fear. Reminded me somewhat of Hebrews thirteen fifteen, Where it reads, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. To God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Give an offering. We come to verses 10 through 13. And number two, praise a righteous judge. Okay, so we see a declaration of power, praise, and judgment. We've already read verse 10. I'll read it again. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. David declares, even after everything he's been through, he declares that God is a righteous judge. He declares that even the earth will rejoice. Even the earth will rejoice. He goes through, as we go through these next few verses, I'll just quickly summarize and say that David reminds us that the heavens will rejoice. The earth will be glad. The sea will roar and everything in it. The field will be joyful and everything in it. And the trees will rejoice. The Lord will come to judge the world and all the people in it in righteousness and in truth. Two things that our world is very lacking today. Righteousness and truth. As we pray for all of the things that are going around us, as well as the things that you're going through personally, we can pray biblically that God will judge in righteousness and in truth. That truth will be revealed 
and exposed and God will judge righteously and that wickedness will be defeated. God is holy and he is righteous in conclusion. How are you responding in your life when things are not going the way that you thought they would go? David responded with this biblical conclusion that God is just and worthy of my praise. He said that he wanted to tell others of the wonders of God. Before we close and with a, with a hymn, I would just encourage you to settle in your hearts tonight what your, as my mom would say, what you're fussing with. What's, what's brewing in your life? What are you upset with? Can you surrender it back to God and call him righteous and holy and good and praise him and tell others of his goodness? Man, it's been a great day to be together in the house of the Lord today. I trust that we'll go and live as believers ought to live, trusting in the righteousness and the truth that God uh, judges the world with. Let's be a good example to others. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your word. We thank you for the practicality of it, the truth of it. And I pray that as we've absorbed the words of your scriptures tonight, that we would let them change us, make us more like our Savior, and make us more effective in this harvest field that you've placed us in. May our hearts go forth tonight with a song, knowing that the Ark of the Covenant has been um, a part of our lives, that the presence of God now indwells every man, every believer. And so I pray that we'll go with that strength that you give. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.